Hey, you're not gonna get to know everything about me on the first night, uh, but I do wanna tell you a little bit um, just to, about myself here, and that is um, I turned 36 this summer, just so you guys know. I am now, that's not cheer-worthy. I'll tell not cheer-worthy, but I appreciate it. Our SPU girls up front always have some good cheers, um, which makes me double the age of some freshmen in this room. I know that. That's a very, that's a tough year for me to handle mentally. Uh, but I'm here because this place was super influential in my life. And for the last 13 years, since I graduated from UW in 2006, I've had the chance to work with college students in a number of places, University of Alabama, back here for a little bit, down in Orange County, California. Um, and for the last year here, probably the biggest surprise for most of you guys, I didn't get fired in the first year. So that's good news. <laughs> um, I'm back and I'm super excited. I, I enjoyed my time here at the University of Washington. I, uh, I lived in the Greek community a block away. I was a Fiji here. Um, and, uh, oh man, tell me we got Fijis in the house. Not a lot of them came out here, I'll be honest. If any are, I'd be, I'd be pleasantly surprised. Um, I also got the chance uh, to play a little football while I was here at the University of Washington. The team was not nearly as good as it is now. This is a huge blessing to have a team here uh, at this school that is, is competing at this level. Um, but college was a super transformational time for me. My first couple years, uh, I would never have set foot uh, in a place like this. Even when I did, even when I came and checked it out, I never would have connected here uh, because of, of just kind of the image that I had of God and somebody who followed God in, in my life. But a lot happened for me in college. A lot happened my junior year and in some of the later years, my first senior year, my second senior year, <laughs> where God did a lot in my life. And I hope he does something in your life this year. I think he will. We want this place to be home for you, we know that can be a loaded term. Some of us don't come from families where home was the most ideal situation in the world for us. So what we want that to mean is that we want this to be a place that you're known. Number one, that you don't just come through the door and sit anonymously. I hope you don't. I hope you take a, you've already taken a risk coming into this space. I hope you take another risk and, 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 and try to connect, try to get involved. We have a great freshman retreat coming up for people that are freshmen, just a chance to meet friends. And, and connect here as a part of this community. We, we want, that's why our staff is here, just so that, that you are, are known this year. The second thing, more than just being a person that's known, we want you to know that you have a voice and a pretty important voice. This place runs because of students that decide to use that voice and help shape this place. It's really cool. Most of our great ideas come from students. In fact, all of them. It's students like yourself that go, hey, we're all coming from Mercer dorm. We need to get a walking group together. Can we do that? And we'll all head up there for safety and, and community. And then it happens. Or people say, hey, we need a carpool from SPU more or Seattle U or the community colleges that we have. Where are my Seattle U people? We got Seattle U folks. Oh, this is nice. This is real nice. I like this. And then carpools form and things happen. And so you have a voice in this place. And we also hope it's a place that you feel comfortable enough that, um, that you can start to take some risks, that you can try some new things here and get involved a little bit. But we also know that sometimes we walk in the door. I know some of us walk in the door and we don't feel at home right away. We don't, even though we want that for every single one of you, some of us don't. I know it's easy for us to not feel like we belong or feel at home anytime we look around and see a bunch of people and think, hey, I'm, I'm in the minority here. You know, some of us, we come in and see people raising their hands and worship, and I love it. I love the enthusiasm. I love that some of us connect with God in that way. But for some of us, we walk in here and go, man, that's, those people are a little crazy. 
I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. I know some of us come in in a lot of different places. Some of us come in uh, as, my, as minorities ethnically in this room. We got a lot of people of color coming in this room now, and I love that. But sometimes you can look around and go, there are a lot of white people in this room. Do am I at home here? And I want you to know, yeah, I hope so. I hope you feel welcome, and I hope you know that your voice matters and you're helping to shape this place as we move toward a place of multi-ethnicity and multiculturalism here. I hope you speak up and help to shape this place for what it is. I know there are others of us that walk in this room that can identify as part of the LGBTQ plus community. I wonder if this is my home. I wonder if this is a safe place for me. And I don't know what your experience with church has been like before, but I hope you know that you're super welcome here. We're excited that you're here. I hope you have a great experience. I hope you know that you're welcome and loved and that you have a voice here in this community. I hope you come in and shape it. Some of you guys might feel like minorities just because you're not UW students. And we talk about UW, or you don't like football, and I talk about it too much, (laughs) or you don't like tacos. I know some of you guys don't even go to school, 20 years old. We talk about classes and, and, and studying, and you go, man, am I still welcome here, even though I'm not in school? Yes, absolutely. It's for college age folks. I hope you come in and find community. Some of us feel like we may not belong just because some of the decisions that we've made in our life. Maybe even in the last week as we've set foot back, moved into dorms or, or a Greek house or somewhere else and already made some choices that we're not in love with and didn't know if we, we belonged in a place like this. Thought, what if these people really knew me? I don't know if they would welcome me as much. And I want you to know, look, that's all of us. Okay, that's all of us. We're a bunch of messed up people here. There are very few people, perfect people here. I don't think any of them, I have not met them. I hope you feel welcome right away. I know that that doesn't keep you outside the door. For some of us, that was a risk to come into this place tonight. And I just, I'm so thankful that you took a risk and came out and joined us here tonight. Um, I told you a few things about myself. One of the things about me that you should know is that I'm an extremely passionate guy about things that I care about. Um, for those that are into this type of thing, I'm an Enneagram 7, the enthusiast. If you don't know what that is, don't worry. That's a Christian thing. Christians love to talk about their Enneagram. In a couple of years, we're going to be like, uh, what's your name? Where are you from? What's your Enneagram number? We're not there yet, but if, if, you, if you don't know that, don't worry. But it just means I'm an enthusiast. I can get on board with a lot of things. I get really excited about what's happening. For me, I'll say it again. When I came to college, I did not connect in a place like this because I thought that Jesus was not for me. I thought this dude does not understand me. I'm passionate about things and and Jesus that I'm seeing just looks irrelevant in my life. I did not hate Jesus. I did not hate the idea of him, but it just did not seem to matter. And for me, I had to come and, and figure out that he was doing something different in my life than I ever thought that he gave me the chance not just to, to know who he was and to, and to invite him in to try to make my life better, but that there was something crazy. There was an opportunity actually to find something that we call identity and worth in him, which was a crazy idea for me. But it changed the way I looked at this whole thing. And my last couple of years of college really put me on a trajectory discovering what real life in Jesus looked like. And that's what we're here about. That's what we're about in this place. We're about discovering real life in Jesus. That's what we say all the time. We're about helping college students discover real life in Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, one, we don't think that people out there have fake life, okay? We don't think other ministries on this campus have fake life or don't know what they're talking about. We have some great friends that do ministry uh, with other names on this campus. And if this place is not for you, maybe it doesn't fit in for some reason, there are some great ministries on this campus we hope that you connect with. Okay, so we don't think that they have fake life and, and we have real life or that we're so smart or that we have secrets that other people don't know about. What it means for us is that we know that life is found in Jesus, but we also know that life is really difficult and that college is really difficult. And we wrestle with that all the time. Real life in Jesus doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It's not gonna be pretty. And we don't want you to come here and fake it and act like you got it all together. We don't have it all together. None of us do. But we're gonna to discover together what it means to have a real life, full life. And one of the ways we're gonna do that is we're gonna open up the Bible together, okay? We're gonna open up and, and look at these words that give us life. And so tonight, uh, we kick off the start of, of a false series here um, going through the book of Mark, okay? It's one of the four gospels. It's one of the accounts of the life of Jesus. And I, I really connect with this. This has been on my heart for months, thinking about uh, this book in the way that, that it connects with me and I hope connects with us. Part of it is I love the book of Mark. I'm just gonna say, this, is, this sounds really unchristian. It's the shortest of the four gospels. <laughs> I like short books. Anytime someone hands me a book and it's like this thick, I think that's a great recommendation. <laughs> That'll go in the top drawer. You hand me a book that's like this, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'd love to read that. Um, but Mark writes, Mark writes he's, a, he's a man of action. He moves quickly from one thing to another. He doesn't do a lot of describing about everything that Jesus taught, but he shows us a lot of what Jesus did. One scholar says that Mark writes with a paintbrush. He would rather show us than tell us. And so we're gonna jump right in tonight, starting our series uh, in Mark chapter one, okay, verses nine through 13. <clears throat> I'm gonna put it up there. Janelle read this earlier. I'm gonna read it again for us. It says this at that time, okay, before this, there's a guy named John the Baptist. He's doing something they call preparing the way. He was a, he was a weird looking dude that basically was setting the scene, baptizing people, getting people ready for Jesus to come, okay? And uh, he, uh, he's getting them ready, he's baptizing them, and it says this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Now, for those of us that joined us last week, okay, we finished off a series moving into, it was kind of an in in September as we kind of ramped up for the start of the school year, um, Emily spoke to us last week about a number of things, and, and this is one of the things that, that she read in a different book, okay? And we can see that in Mark, he moves very quickly through what's happening in this story, okay? Now, for the start of tonight, I like to title series. I love to give subtitles and titles, and we're gonna call this series Unexpected, okay? And tonight's message is gonna be called Expect 
the unexpected. And here's why I want to do this. I think some of us, especially if we grew up in a Christian family or going to church, when we come into a place like this, maybe we open up the Bible to something we've read before and we start to put things into autopilot. Okay, you know what autopilot is? Autopilot is when you are driving somewhere close to your house from far away. And we're like, you're driving home and you're supposed to drop off a friend or you're going to the grocery store. And so you start driving. And as you do, you're making all the normal turns that you would make to get back to your house. And so something happens. Your brain starts to shut off because it just notices, I don't need to think anymore. I'm just going to keep making these turns. And all of a sudden you end up at your house and you're like, man, I was supposed to drop my friend off and I totally forgot or I was supposed to stop somewhere and I totally forgot because as soon as I started going through the motions that I had been through before, I just started cruising and I stopped thinking critically. We don't want you to stop thinking critically as you come into this place. I want you to think critically. I want you to question and doubt and wrestle with things. And as we open the Bible, I want us to look together for things that would be unexpected because I think that's what Jesus is going to do this year. I think what he's gonna do, I think he wants to do something in your life I think it's going to be new. It's going to be different. It's going to look different than it has in the past. And when it does, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but he's going to show up in unexpected ways. And if we only look for him in the ways that we've seen him before or that we think he might come in the expectations that we have, we may miss what he wants to do in our life this year. So as we dive in tonight, I just want to break this text down with three observations. Three observations of things that I believe are very unexpected about what is happening in this text. Okay, would you put verse, uh, put verse nine back up there? Starts with this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, when you hear Nazareth, it might not mean anything to you. Okay, other than you might associate it with Jesus. But it didn't mean anything to people in the day either. Nazareth was not a very significant town. It was a small town. I don't know where you're from. I'm from Bellingham. My gosh. I love the Bellingham love. That was unexpected. Okay, Bellingham is not a huge town. I don't think it has a lot of cultural significance. I don't even know what Bellingham is famous for. Maybe George Lepke, you know, guitar and singer extraordinaire. Or Taylor Rapp now, Husky safety extraordinaire. I don't even know. Bellingham might be famous. Help me out, George. I thought you'd yell something by now. Um, Woods Coffee. Woods Coffee. Thank you. Woods Coffee will be what Bellingham is famous for. I was thinking farmer's markets. That's what I was thinking. Or being close to Canada. Whatever. Ted Bundy, did someone say? Did he come from Bellingham? Oh, this is super disappointing. <laughs> this is taking a turn I did not want to go. Okay, well, anyways, Bellingham is not exactly the center for cultural significance. Where are you from? You don't have to yell it out. Maybe more appropriate question is, um, when you share where you're from, are you proud of sharing where you're from? Are you embarrassed of sharing where you're from? Is anyone embarrassed of sharing where they're from? You don't have to share. You don't even have to raise your hand. That was a vulnerable question. Thank you. Um, but I will say Nazareth was not somewhere that people were proud to be from. 
It's a small town. It was kind of a backwoods town. And, and, uh, and nobody really said, hey, uh, yes, I'm from Nazareth. In fact, they had a saying back then. And it went like this. Can anything good come from Nazareth? They said the same thing about Jesus. They said, can anything good come from Jesus? He speaks as one with authority, but I don't know if I can trust his authority because of where he's from. Where he's from does not make sense to me. It would make sense that he'd be from Jerusalem, a big cultural hub or somewhere in the Roman Empire. It would make sense. If you wanted to be significant, you'd be from Jerusalem, but he's from Nazareth. And at the time, our identity was so closely tied to where we were from. That's why they said, Jesus of Nazareth or Mike of Bellingham. That'd be the title. Now, right now, that probably is not a huge identity marker for you. We don't really go around thinking, man, that has created all my worth and value is where I'm from. We do get that question a lot, though, in the first couple weeks of college. But as this quarter goes on and as this year goes on, you will get other questions, different questions that you will more closely tie to your identity than where you're from. How'd you do on the midterm? What's your major? Oh, I don't want to share my major. It's kind of embarrassing. I didn't get into my major. Where do you live? Where do you go to school? Oh, I don't actually go to school. I didn't get in. Now I'm here hanging out with people, and the question we're asking is, what school do I go to? I don't really want to share. Am I, what, are you in a relationship? Do you know anybody here? Oh, I don't want to share that. I don't know anybody here. All of a sudden, these things are going to be so closely tied with our identity as this year goes along that we will be looking for worth and value in, our, in these things. Our search for worth and value is going to be a constant battle throughout all of college. And, I, and to be honest with you, all of life. We're going to always be looking for things to put our worth and our identity in and things that will shape our value. Okay, and, 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 and Jesus was not immune to this. And that's why the second thing is so unexpected as well. The second observation from the text is this statement that's made from God coming down. And that's in verse 10. And it says this, just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, the significance of this statement is that right now, Jesus has spent 30 years in Nazareth. He has not even started any sort of ministry. He has not opened a single blind eye. He has not healed a single person. He has not performed a single miracle. He has not rallied a single crowd of people. And yet a direct statement of validation Because even Jesus knows the temptation that he's going to face as he starts healing people and as people start liking him and as crowds start following him, that those can quickly become things that he can find his worth in. The same for the other questions that we start to get asked. And we will try to define our worth by what people think about us and how we perform. How we perform, man, how we perform, that's the thing that's shaping my identity. But Jesus' love for us is never based on our performance, okay? People will validate us. 
People will validate you based off of your performance. They will validate you based on how you make them feel. They will validate you if you're a good friend to them. Say, oh, you're such a good friend because you're a good friend to them. So they will validate you based off of these things. But God does not. God does not validate us based off of those things. It's not based off of our performance. And so some of us, we come into this room tonight nervous about coming in. It was a big risk for us because we don't know if we're loved. We don't know if the the decisions we're making, if the things we're doing are worthy of love in our life. For some of us, even to hang around a bunch of people that might call themselves followers of Jesus is a huge risk. I'm so glad if that was you and you came into this room tonight and you took a risk. I want you to know this. I know that some of us right now have not made a ton of decisions that we're excited about. I know that some of us are wrestling or struggling or doubting if God exists, what he's doing, why he's doing the things he's doing, if he's even doing anything. Man, I'm glad you're here. I want you to know that no matter what you think or no matter what you do, you are and will always be a beloved child of God. Okay, this is the message. This is not a sub point. This is the whole message. So if you fell asleep, wake up now. Everything I've told you up until this point is only to tell you this thing. You will never be loved by God more than you are right now. And there's nothing you can do and you will not have to validate that love for you by your performance. Jesus did not perform miracles for the acceptance of people. That's why he didn't care what people thought about him. Okay, sorry, I went off point a little bit. Oh, he does just, let's get back on track. Let's finish with this. Let's close with this tonight. Um, final observation is this. Sometimes I get it. I told you guys, I get excited about things. Final observation, go to our last piece of text. I wanna tell you what I think is the most unexpected part of this whole thing. If you paid attention, you probably saw this as well. This is so unexpected, ready? Guys, it's the, it's the dove. It's the dove in this story. Okay, it's the spirit. The dove is the spirit of God in bird form, okay, coming down to the earth, right? It's a spirit. This is like the spirit of God coming down in the form of a bird. And Jesus is here and he's all excited. And when we think about the presence of God and the spirit of God coming down from heaven on us, oh man, we get excited. For a lot of us, oh yeah, I want that. Oh yeah. The bird is coming. The dove is, is beautiful and peaceful and has an olive branch in its mouth. And it's here to provide peace for me. Here to make me comfortable and provide a nice place to rest. And at once the spirit, the dove, sent him out into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. What the heck type of dove is this? <laughs> This is not the dove that I was expecting. The dove that I wanted was one who was going to lead me to an incredibly peaceful place. Probably in a hammock, probably under a palm tree. I could do a 20 to 30 minute quiet time and then just, oh, listen to some worship music. That's where the dove is leading me. Why on earth 
is the dove leading Jesus out to be tempted in the desert by Satan. Shouldn't it be about making it peaceful and easy for him? Oh, this is the part I didn't want to say tonight. Following Jesus in college is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. God, I just chose. God, I just, I just put my trust in you. I just chose that I want to get valid. I want to find my worth in you. What? Can't it be easier than this? Yeah, no. It's not going to be easy. Following Jesus is, is not, not an easy thing to do. College is not an easy time to go through. It can be incredible. We hope it's the greatest four, five years of your life. Maybe three for those of you that are real smart in the room. <laughs> and I didn't want to share this night one on a night of excitement, enthusiasm in the room, but you're going to have some hard times this year. You want to know what you can expect this year? You can expect to feel lonely. You'll probably feel lonelier this year than you ever have before. You'll doubt God. You'll doubt yourself. You'll doubt his presence in your life. You'll wrestle and struggle and feel alone. And when you do, what I want you to know is that does not mean that God has left you or deserted you. Because he's not here just to make life easy. It's not his purpose. Okay, he's here to say, I am with you always. I will always be with you. And I'm going to do something different than make life easy and comfortable for you. I'm going to take the life. I'm going to take any piece of this life that you choose to give me. And I'm going to fill it. I'm going to fill it with meaning. I'm going to fill it with purpose. I'm going to fill it with significance. I'm going to do something greater in your life. That is what it means to discover real life in Jesus Christ. It's not easy. If you expect it to be easy, you're going to miss it. If you expect it always to feel good, you're gonna miss it. But my hope is that you keep coming back around this place, that we get to know you, that we walk through college together this year, and that we get the chance to look for Jesus in the most unexpected of places in our life. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, God, I admit that, that even in my doubts, about you that there is, is oftentimes just kind of a one, one channel that I'm looking for, for you to show up in my life. God, and if you don't show up in that specific way, I doubt and question all the time. God, in this night of, of excitement and enthusiasm to be here in this place, God, would you help us um, to see how good and incredible you are, what a great loving God you are. God, would you help us to discover all that you have for us this year to find a community here and discover more about you. Lord, we pray all this in your name. Amen.